Everybody in this room has a dream. Do you know what that dream is? Do you know what that God-given dream is in your life, in your heart? What is that dream? And I'm not talking about a goal. A goal is something that, that we set to help accomplish that dream. But what is that God-given dream that God has given to you? Maybe you're sitting here today, it's like, well, my dream is to, is to be married and, 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 and have children. Or maybe, maybe your dream is to move to a, a, another house or, or maybe have a, a better career. Maybe your dream is to get out of debt or become more, a more generous person. Maybe our students here today, students, maybe, maybe your dream is to make better grades and or maybe stop being distracted by social media or getting to right college or vocation, whatever that is. Or maybe your dream is just to take better care of yourself. Whatever that is, I believe that God has given to each and every one of us something that, that only he can give. And, and it's, a, it's a dream that, you know how when you, when you kind of stare into in nothingness and you just kind of, you kind of catch yourself kind of staring? And, and it's those thoughts that keep coming around and that, that inner desire to do something better, greater, different, that is a dream that God has placed. And I believe that those dreams originate from God. And again, it's not about goals. Goals are, are what we set to help accomplish uh, those dreams. But just like all dreams, all dreams can stall. In fact, you might be sitting here today and, and, and you've, you've had a dream, you've had a vision, you've had a picture of something in your life that you feel like God has given to you, whatever that is. And I want you to be earnestly thinking about that. It might be more than one, but I want you to be thinking about whatever that dream is during this message and I want you to understand this. Those dreams are easily stalled. Those dreams are easily not completed. And one reason is because we don't really even know how to live those dreams out. How do we make those dreams come to pass? How do we let, set those dreams um, into motion? And it's important for us to live those dreams out because it's, it's all part of God's overall plan for your life and for his kingdom. But why, why can't we seem to get the dreams off the ground sometime? Well, it all has to do with obstacles. There are obstacles that happen in life that sort of block those dreams from becoming a reality. Those obstacles are, are things that we're going to talk about in this sermon series as we head on to Easter. And these obstacles are things that are going to uh, hinder you from those dreams. You know, the enemy is the one who places those obstacles in your life. The enemy is the one who takes those obstacles and says, you know what, I don't want this person. I don't want this person to, to eventually live out their dream. I don't want them to be living their dream because God gave it to them because if we live our dream, then we're walking in greater confidence and we're walking with the understanding and assurance of God's power and his presence in our life. And the enemy does not want you to walk in that way. 
He does not want you to sense, to feel, to experience what it's like to be living in the dream that God has given you. And so he's gonna throw every obstacle possible to keep your dreams hidden away in your heart and out of your hands. What I'm telling you today, it's time to start living the dream God has given you. And you, again, you might be sitting here today and you, you, you know exactly what that is. Some of you may be sitting here today and you don't know what that is. But if you really, really give it some thought, what is that one or two or maybe more dreams that God has given to you? What do you long for? What do you long for in your family, in your personal life, in your relationship with God? What do you long for? What keeps coming after you time and time again? In this sermon series, we're gonna be aware of those obstacles and how to respond to those obstacles. There's one biblical character who I feel best shows us how to respond to obstacles that the enemy throws in our path to keep us away from our dreams. But before we talk about him, let's take a quick snapshot of some of the characters we talked about. As some of you may, may remember, we started a bunch of series about characters in the Bible. So we, we, I really felt this past summer during my sabbatical that God was telling me, spend some time on people in God's word and get to know them more. So we have been doing that since the fall. You remember the Daniel series? Uh, we, we talked about Daniel, and then we moved from Daniel over to Esther, and we talked about Esther. And then from Esther, we went over to, to Nehemiah. And all of those characters are around the time whenever the nation of Israel, they were exiled to a, a, another empire. And they were taken away by the Assyrian and the Babylonian empires. Why? Because they started worshiping other gods around them. And so after we looked at, at these characters, we, uh, we sort of took a, a look back in the history of Israel. And so how did the Israel nation really get started? Well, it really got started with Abraham. And we spent some time with Abraham. And I loved, I loved what God was telling us as a church. What Abraham went through was exactly what we as a church were going through with regard to a future location. And so we looked at Abraham and then after Abraham, we, uh, we spent some time at Christmas, at a generous Christmas. And then we looked at um, great expectations. We just finished that as we were looking expectantly to what God is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or imagine. And you can, you can look at all these and listen and watch these sermon series online at our website at lakepointonline.com. But I want to pick up where we left off after Abraham. And so as we, as we pick up where we left off, there, there's a man that I want us to focus on, and his name is Joseph. Joseph was the great-grandson of Abraham. And you can read all about a story in Genesis chapter 37 through 45. Would love for you to walk on that journey with me and, and just include that in your quiet time over the next few weeks. But as you may recall in our Abraham series, God gave Abraham, Abraham and Sarah a son, one son in their old age, and his name was Isaac. Isaac um, had twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, whose, whose name was later changed to Israel, 
had 12 sons, and that's, that's 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, and one of those sons was Joseph. Well, what was Joseph like? Well, we know in this story we're about to read, Joseph is about 17 years old, around that time when this happens, when, when we pick up his story. And we know that he was a shepherd working alongside his 11 brothers. We know that he would uh, sort of tattle on his brothers every now and then. So he was a, a tattletale. And um, we also know that his father, Jacob, gave him a special robe or a coat of many colors. Favoritism alert. Favoritism alert. He loved Joseph more than all the other brothers. And it was obvious of that. But here's the most, most important thing about Joseph. And here's where it comes down to us. The most important thing about Joseph that we're going to look at in this series is that God gave Joseph dreams, literal dreams. And God gave dreams to Joseph, and he also gave him the, the interpretation of those dreams. Later on in his life, he was able to interpret many dreams, even other people's dreams. And so God gave those dreams, and God gave a, a particular dream, actually two dreams, and they meant the same thing. During those two dreams, it was a dream of Joseph's brothers bowing down to him, <laughs> bowing down to him. And so in, in order for your brothers, if you have brothers and sisters in your family, if you have a dream that, that your brothers and sisters in your family, they're bowing down to you, it must mean that, um, that you are in a really high position, like extremely high because your family is gonna be the last people that bow down to you, right? Especially y'all who have brothers and sisters, yes. It's gonna be the last people that bow down to you. Uh, yesterday was my, I have one sibling, and uh, yesterday was his birthday, I had a great conversation with him. And we've had, you know, we, just me and my brother Brian, we've had some times in our life, we'd, we'd fist fight, we'd have bloody noses and everything. But I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'll never bow down to Brian, <laughs> and he's never gonna bow down to me, unless he's in a position where I have to. And so. Joseph, he had these dreams, and so evidently God was telling him, look, you, you are going to be in a position where even your family are going to bow down to you. Now, when will that happen? Where will that happen? How is that going to happen? Joseph didn't know. He, he, that was not in the dream. Now, just remember, he's age 17. He tells his brothers about his dream, okay? Stupid alert, all right? He tells his brothers about, about his dream. Hey, one day you're going to bow down to me. And then he tattles on them for various things. And, and uh, he also has a special coat of many colors that his father made him. And let me tell you what, the brothers are done. They're done with Joseph. And they get to the point to where they're going to do something about it and they're going to act on their feelings. And here is how it plays out. So, um, Jacob, or Israel, asks Joseph, hey, go check on your brothers. Well, he wasn't even out in the fields with them. <laughs> He's probably at home, you know, sitting with his coat. And, 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 and his father says, go check on your brothers. We pick it up in Genesis chapter 37, verses 18 through 20. It says this, but they saw him, they, his brothers, saw him in the distance. And before he said to, um, they said to each other, and before they reached him, they plotted to kill him. Verse 19. Here comes that dreamer. Oh, he has a nickname now, right? That dreamer. And um, they said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. 
and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So basically, a, a dried up well is what they were going to throw him to. I mean, that's just crazy that brothers would, brothers would say that. And, and we probably, with our six children, we probably had kids in our household who probably have thought about doing stuff like that to some of our, 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 our you know, kids. And, um, and that's kind of natural, I guess, but to actually draw it out um, is a different thing. So let's continue in verse 23. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, that precious ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah, the oldest, said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Okay, there, there we go. Somebody's finally talking sense. Okay, good job, Judah. Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, <laughs> our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. And then the passage and the story goes on to say that they uh, killed an animal and they spread the blood on his coat and they brought it to the father, to Jacob, and said, Father, we're sorry, we, we, we saw that, that an animal has, has devoured uh, Joseph and here is what's left. And it took jo uh, Jacob by surprise, obviously, and he fell into deep depression and the family was never the same since. Uh, ultimate rejection. An ultimate rejection. And so, if you are ever rejected by family, that's about the low of the all lows that you can go, that you can experience. And some of you here today, you might have been rejected by your family. Maybe you still are. Maybe there's some forgiveness that's happened by now. But the ultimate rejection, I think, is if my own family rejected me. And so Joseph was sold into slavery and brought to Egypt. And, and, and I could just imagine on his way from, from, from in, in the land of Canaan, which would be the, the future land of, of the nation of Israel, Right now, it's just, it's just Jacob and his 12 sons and, 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 and all of their belongings and, and, and servants. And so Joseph is probably being led behind a, a donkey tied, and he's walking in, in you know, rough terrain. And the whole way, he's thinking, how in the world could my brothers do that to me? What rejection? I don't know about you, but I would be plotting my escape and my revenge. I'd be like, okay, I'm getting out of the situation and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna take care of him. I don't know how, but it's gonna happen. But as we're gonna see starting next week, that's not what Joseph decides to do. And so he, he was wondering, I'm sure he was wondering, man, why would they gonna kill me? And then most importantly, what about the dream? He's probably walking behind some stinky donkey 
and asking God, God, what about the dream? What about the dream that you told me? And it's not about his brothers bowing down to him. It's, it's, it's more about, God, you showed me that I was going to be in some sort of high position and that I was going to do something great. And so what about the dream? I mean, this is far from the dream. I'm in slavery. Some of you may be sitting here today. You know, God, God has given me this, this, this dream, this dream job or this career or given me this, this dream of where my family needs to go, where I need to take my marriage, you know, or, or whatever it is. God has given, and, and what about the dream? Where has it gone? And I tell you, Joseph was rejected in the most humiliating way. And so I want to talk to you today about the obstacle of rejection when it comes to your, your dream. Some of you, when, on, when you're trying to take, get to your dream, there's going to be an obstacle of rejection. This, uh, this past week, I had the privilege on Wednesday, I had the privilege of, uh, I brought Landon and Logan to l- visit Lee University. And our, our kids were off all this week. They go to Excel Christian and, you know, they decided, I mean, they're going to take the whole week off, you know. And so we decided, hey, let's go down to Lee University or go up to Lee University and, and let's, let's check it out. Landon wants to major in, in business and with some sports management emphasis. And, and so we decided to check that out. And as we got there, I got the news that Billy Graham passed away. And so I, I told our tour guide, a college girl, hey, goodness, did you read this news flash that Billy Graham has passed away? She goes, oh no, I, I didn't know anything about that. And then she says, you know, he went to school here. And I was like, what? He went to Lee University? She says, well, he, he went to campus here back when it was, um, back when it was a, it was a uh, different campus, a different college. And so, he was, he actually stayed here in a dorm. And I was like, really? What dorm did he stay in? So she told me about where this, where this dorm was. And, and so we, we finished a tour and we had a, had a great lunch uh, there. And so we, uh, we decided that we would go on back and find this particular dorm. And so as we walked uh, uh, to the dorm, we, we could see that there were some, some uh, flower wreaths on the door and and so it, it was true. I mean, they're, they're, they were honoring Billy Graham where he stayed. He was only there for about a semester, but he attended there back when it was actually Bob Jones University. And so as we were walking up and we saw these flowers in the door, uh, an older gentleman was walking up with us. And I introduced myself and I introduced my boys. And I was like, we just, we're just here visiting the campus. And we decided we were just just go and see where Billy Graham stayed. And he showed me the actual, the actual room where he stayed. I mean, this older gentleman actually knew Billy Graham and he knows his family really well, his, his, um, his uh, sons and his daughters. And so I was like, man, this guy must be pretty important. And then another guy comes up and, and, uh, and he says, hey, uh, Mr. Mayor, could I take a picture of you? And I'm like, oh, well, it's the mayor, right? So that's pretty cool. And so he, uh, he begins to... Uh, while the, the photographer's getting ready, Mayor 
um, the mayor, Tom uh, Rowland, was talking to us about different stories of Billy Graham. And it was awesome. It's like he was talking to, as if he were there. But one particular story, it was about how Billy Graham only spent a semester when it was, at, when it was Bob Jones University. He had a disagreement with Bob Jones uh, about how some things operated around there. And so they disagreed. And so Bob Jones dismissed Billy Graham from the college. And then he says, get this, he said, and later this was kind of fixed, and, you know, and they they've, were able to, re, you know, to help this relationship out. But, but he said at the time, he says, you will never amount to anything but a backwoods Baptist preacher. To Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham. Kicked him out of school. Now that was obviously not Lee University, it was Bob Jones and and again, they were able to mend that relationship later on in life. But can you imagine the rejection? You get kicked out of a university by the president of a Christian university and say, you're not welcome here. You're going to be nothing but a backwoods Baptist preacher. Well, we, we ended up taking a picture and the newspaper says, hey, you know, get a paper tomorrow and your, your son's going to be on the front page and... And, and then the mayor says, hey, I'm going to take a picture. He took a picture. He said, is it okay if I text this picture to, you know, the, the, the sons and daughters of Billy Graham? And I'm like, sure. That'd be great. Tell them I said hello. And so it was pretty neat. So we walked away going, what just happened? What just happened? And I'm sure Billy Graham was thinking the same thing. What just happened? I got kicked out of a Christian university and told that I would never amount to anything. He was rejected. Billy Graham felt that rejection. But what he understood is this, it was all part of his dream. So here's an important truth about your, re- your rejection. Now, now, please listen up, this is very, very important. Your rejection or any obstacle, and we're gonna talk about various obstacles that stand in the way of your dream, Your rejection or obstacle is part of living your dream. Your dream is not the final arrival. It's a part of the journey. So let's give it for an example. We have several couples, young couples in this church who are who have recently become engaged. There's something in the water. So if you know someone who, who is looking for a spouse, you may want to come to Lake Point Church because it seems like it's just, you know. Now, if you're married, please, you know, don't join in on that fun, all right? But, uh, but there's several couples, young couples who are engaged, and, and, and it's like a dream of theirs. It's like the, the, the young ladies that are here at this church, and they've, they've had a dream of, of being a, a, a wife and being able to plan a, a wedding. And so when the, the boyfriend proposes, the dream starts. They're living out their dream, planning a wedding. Every girl wants to plan a wedding, but, hmm, and ladies who have recently planned a wedding or you're in the middle of planning a wedding, you can prob- probably vouch for this, there's going to be some obstacles standing in the way of your perfect wedding, isn't there? Yes, like money, people. Let's say if you wanna have a certain wedding venue. He's like, I want to get married here. This is exactly where we need to be. And it's like book for the next five years. 
And you're like, rejection. Rejection. Can I tell you something? Are you still living the dream? Yes. Do you have rejection? Yes. Is rejection a part of your dream? Yes. It's a part of your dream. It's all part of the process. Or like say if God gives you a dream to build a house. We want to build a house. And then you, you, you're, you're finally in a place, you, you, you've, got the, you've got the loan and you've got the architect and you've got the builder and you've got the place and, and everything is set and you're living your dream. You're, you're building a house. And for those who have ever built a house, you'll know that there's going to be major obstacles standing in the way. But are you living your dream? Yes, you are. Don't think your rejection is not part of your dream, of you living the dream. It still is. It's just the beginning. And church, as, as Lake Point Church moves out towards that land, God has given us a dream. And God has given us a vision. And God is telling us, look, I want you out there. You're going to leave a legacy like Billy Graham. You're going to leave a legacy in this town, in this community, to all of these athletes that's coming here from around the country and around the world. You're going to leave a legacy, and I want you here. But let me tell you something. Even though you're living the dream, and we are living the dream. We're securing land. We had a great celebration. We're just getting started. But let me tell you what, church. There is going to be obstacles standing in our way. But we are still living the dream. Obstacles are part of the dream. Don't, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Keep in mind, don't be, dis, don't be discouraged by the obstacles. Just think, oh, it's all part of the dream. It's all part of the dream. It's just what we're supposed to do. So, Joseph would never be appointed second in command of all of Egypt, which that's the end of the story. We'll get to at the end. But Joseph would never be appointed second in command of all of Egypt if his brothers never would have rejected him. And that is powerful. Your rejection will ultimately lead to your dream. Your rejection will ultimately lead to your dream. And you, you got to push through your rejection. Men who are in this church, you're like, I want to lead my family. I want to be a better, I want to be a better spiritual leader. You get your family together and you want to do a quiet time. You want to do something. You want to read through the Bible. And not every, everybody in your family really wants to do that. In fact, some may just go to another part of the room, won't have anything about it. Hey, man, you step up and you do that. Single moms out here, you could take that. You could take that, that, that cause and lead, don't let that be a rejection that's gonna put you out of your dreams. So what happens if we allow the obstacles of rejection to get in the way of our God-given dreams? In, in, in cases, uh, in, in causes, or sorry, it causes other issues that may, you may notice in your life. So here's some signs that will stop your dreams dead in their tracks. So. I want you to think about, have you ever experienced some of these? If so, you could be allowing rejection to stop your dreams dead in their tracks. Number one, rebellion. You may find yourself rebelling against authority and God. Joseph 
could have chosen this. He could have rebelled against God. Students, if, if you're rebelling against authority, it could be that you are allowing rejection to cause you to rebel. When people say no to you, it doesn't mean that they're not with you. It just means that they wanna help guide you. They're on your team. They're with you. Don't allow the rejection from your parents or your teachers, don't allow the no to mean that your dream or what you wanna do is over. And don't allow that to end up in rebellion. Another example is you're rejecting others. You, You will begin rejecting others so you aren't the only one being rejected. You could do this to your mom, your dad, your spouse, your coworker, or your close friend. You find yourself rejecting others, it's only because you're being rejected and you wanna do the same thing. Uh, Another thing is you need to feel accepted. You would do whatever it takes to fit in or be accepted by others. Students, if you feel like you need to do whatever it takes to be accepted by others to do whatever they want you to do, it could be that you're allowing some rejection in your life to, to interfere and to make you feel like you need to be accepted by others, by everyone. Unteachable, you may find yourself unable to be corrected or receive constructive criticism. When you, parents and adults and and students, if we get to the point to where we are unteachable, then it could be that we have allowed rejection to enter into our soul and our heart and allow us, our hearts to be hardened to where we feel like we're not gonna let anybody in and allow them to teach us. Blaming God. Blaming God is is an an issue with rejection. Fear of confrontation. You never want to confront people because your identity is based upon what people think of you because you've been rejected. It's like, well, I don't want to be rejected anymore. You know? And so you you never want to have that confrontation. Um, Self-rejection. Rejection of others can lead to rejection of who you are. Well, I guess I'm just not made out to be anything. You're just self-rejecting. You're, you're telling yourself, look, I, I'm not worthy to be a part of this. Whatever God's plan is my life. I'm just gonna float through life. And last is fabricated rejection. You will have feelings of perceived rejection or fabricated, made up rejection. For example, why is that person not coming here over here to talk to me, you may ask. When that person may not be trying to reject you, they just feel shy at times and they don't want to step out or meet you. And so when, when we get rejected, we have these fabricated rejections, these, these false rejections that come up and say, well, this must be happening, or they must be thinking of this. If you are experiencing any of those, you may be having rejection steer your life. So what are some things we can overcome rejection? The, uh, one of the best ways is to, uh, is to put scripture in there. Use God's word to overcome rejection. Here's a few examples in 1 John 3, 1. It says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. So because of God's great love for us, we are adopted into his family. We are accepted, not rejected. Ephesians 2, 6, and God raised us with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are made to sit in heavenly realms. 
with Christ. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We are accepted, not rejected by God. We are accepted through the blood of Christ if we have asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of our life. And then Psalm 103, 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We are not rejected. Many people live in this world. They have this perceived rejection of God. There are thousands of people in church, not in church today. And you know why? They have allowed the obstacles of rejection to stand in the way. Because of the lies of of the enemy, they have felt rejected by God. They do not feel worthy of his love. They don't feel worthy to be in church. You know, people don't start rejecting God automatically. You know, as children, children don't, don't, when they hear about God, they don't just start rejecting God. They're like, oh, God? Well, I believe in God. God says, come to me with a childlike faith. As adults, because of the, of the things we do in our past and, 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 and our thought process and because of sin, because of separation from God, if we don't get right with God, then we feel like we are not worthy to be in the presence of God. We do not feel like we can be accepted by God, even though we have accepted Christ as Savior. When we accept Jesus as Savior, we stand before God white holy and pure. Yeah, we're, we're going to mess up, but we confess. We confess that that's what grace is. Where sin is, grace abounds more. And that's good news. So Joseph never allowed his current situation to affect his chosen destination. Joseph never allowed his current situation to affect his chosen destination. Don't allow rejection to stand in the way of the dream God placed in your heart. You know, we, we may be rejected by the world, but if, but if Christ lives, in, lives within us, then we are not rejected by God because of our sin. You know, the reason why we're not rejected is because Christ was rejected for us. It says in Psalm 118, 22, it says, the stone, that's Christ, that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The builders have rejected. Those people have rejected Christ. And so we are accepted to God, not because of what we've done, but through Christ, what he has done. He did that on the cross. He died on the cross paid for our sins and covered us with the love of God and God looks down and says what Jesus did was acceptable and through him you are now accepted all I have to do is accept Christ and accept what he did for me you are accepted not rejected you know at the end of of every Billy Graham crusade they sang a song, and it's an old hymn. It's entitled, Just As I Am. And so 
Here in just a moment, obviously the band's getting ready and, and we're going to sing that as a church, just as I am. And so as a band uh, gets ready and as they uh, prepare, I want, I want you to come just as you are. You may, you may be sitting here today thinking, you know, okay, Frank, I, I've never really accepted Christ, so how can I be accepted by God? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. God loves you, but he can't accept the sin in your life unless you ask God to forgive you of your sins and accept Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. If you have never done that, I want to be here, and I want you to come forward. Some of you may be here today and say, Frank, you know, I, I, I've been... I've been sitting on this dream. I've been sitting here and and it's stalled. And I'm ready to get this thing going. And I've now realized that some of the obstacles standing in the way of that, it's all part of it. So God wants you to start living the dream and understand he's walking with you through all of those obstacles such as rejection. And so you may wanna come down here today and the altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry for allowing these obstacles to stand in the way. Give me strength to live out the dream you called me to live, the person you called me to be. And so the altar's gonna be open, and I invite you to come just as you are.